we want to encourage you to turn in it to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're ministering on the always answered asker. The always answered asker. Now that seems like a, a contradictory statement in uh, Christian terms to say always and asker. Because everybody knows that in religion, when you ask God something, he always answers. He'll say yes, no, or not now. Everybody knows that. You can't pin down God. You never know what God's going to do, they say. But I'm here to tell you, you're already an always answered asker. And it's form. It's not that God says if you'll straighten up and you'll quit messing around and doing what you're doing. I'll do something. We're already there. We're already sons and daughters. We're already there. So we got to know it. We're making a transition because when you know the truth, you're free. And so anywhere we're not free, we've got some truth to work on. This morning I got up and or it was last night or whenever it was. And I this scripture just jumped up in me. It's in. It's in Mark, don't go there, but I'll just read it to you because it works with what I'm doing this morning. In Mark chapter 4, we, we read this last week. Mark chapter 4, where, where on Wednesday we looked at the sower sows the word. And uh, the, uh, Mark said in verse 17, he said one, one sower, one kind of ground, he said, was uh, stony ground. And then I, I, this, this word came up in me this morning, and have no root in themselves. Well, that's our job, is to get a root in ourselves. Uh, the word says in Ephesians chapter 3 that you be rooted and grounded in love. So just because there's love everywhere, just because God's love is in, infallible, and that we even know it, there could be a being rooted. Because in this verse 17, it says, have no root in themselves, and it goes on, it says, immediately they are offended. And that word is scandalon. And, the, you know, the Lord gave me a word uh, about a month ago that said, our, one of our greatest challenges is to not be offended. That we will run our course, we will finish our race if we can stay out of offended. Uh, the word says in, um, uh, what was that third scripture I told you about? Oh, the house on the rock and the house on the sand. That's just another form of saying rooted. Same house, same wind. It's just a matter of where you are when it comes. And it is coming. And we say, and you know it's true, that revival is both here and coming. It's not just coming, and it's not just here. It's here, and it's coming. So we're getting ready. We're getting ready. We should get ready if it's not coming, but it is coming. And I believe, this is my personal belief, that it's going to be a quick work. And that there won't be much time to get ready for it. By the time we figure out, doggone, that thing. Because it'll run a few weeks or months and everybody will say, well, maybe this is it. Like the Messiah when he came, maybe this is it. But, and so you could almost lose it, be through the revival, be raptured out, 
before you figured out, doggone, that was the revival. That was the move of God. So there's no, you won't get ready. You won't be strong. You won't be able to help people if by the time you figure it out, it's over. So we got to get ready before it's even here. Hallelujah. So uh, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to talk about this always answered asker. Do you want to be one? More than anything. More than anything, you want to know, you want to have the experience, you want to have a mandate in your life that says, bless God, when I get serious, when I get settled down, spend some time with the Lord, and then I pop the question, it's on its way. We do that online, we hit, put it in the cart, so we're meditating it there, you can still take it out of the cart, and then what's that next button in Amazon? Yeah, check out, check out, that's it. Proceed to check out and check out. And you're going to have to do some undoing if you hit that button and then you change your mind. So we want to be answered when we ask. We believe that, but there's still some of that religion that's out there that says, not now or no. So I was meditating on this and I realized that people... What do people not like about other people? And the, one of the main things I believe people don't like about other people is hypocrisy. We don't like hypocrites. We disdain them. We may be one sometimes, but we don't like hypocrites. Hypocrites are people that change their mind according to the situation. We've all done that. There's no, there's no mama that was sitting in the stands when their little kid's out there playing basketball that sees their baby causing the foul. And so when there's a foul called, it's always an injustice. It's always worth screaming about. Cause <laughs> and so we all flow to our situation. Uh, uh, women are supporting, mostly used to be, you support women's rights. And uh, farm workers, they're all about farm worker rights and all of that. So we, we tend to, to do that. And one thing that we all like is a straight shooter. You'll talk to somebody, and if you tell somebody, doodle dog over here, one thing about it, he's a straight shooter, and it's always something that we hold in high esteem. He shoots straight. He's not a hypocrite. He doesn't come back. And it's, it's on the top of our list if we just got down to what do you like about people. So I believe this includes God. We don't like religion, even though it's handy and you don't have to have accountability to take responsibility. We like God to be a straight shooter. It's unhandy. Boy, it's unhandy sometimes when we skip along and ask him to do things that's not in his will, not in his word. And he doesn't do it. Of course, it doesn't happen. But we still likes, like God to be a straight shooter. And here's the thing. God is only as good as his word. Now, that, that's a jump over. You, if you miss that when you're going to the bottom. God is like anyone. You're only as good as your word. Doesn't matter if you're this and you've done that and you've gone around the world in a, on a skateboard. You're only as good as your word. And so everybody, I am, you are, we're all measured by the word we give and the word we keep. The word says don't vow foolishly because you'll be held according to what you say. 
keep your word and you'll be good with God and good with others. So God keeps his word. Say it with me. God keeps his word. Now, this is foundational in your walk of being rooted and grounded, of, of, of getting to go past a fence, building your house on the rock. You got to believe that God keeps his word. It's the foundation of Christianity. Every religion, but it's certainly. We got to know there's a veracity to him that says, I said it, I'll do it. Now, if he appeared, came through the wall. And see, people have seen the Lord Jesus come through the wall and or open the door, and there he is, or an angel, whatever. Lots of people have had those experiences. It's not normal. It's not something you can pray about. But we all say, ah, Jesus appeared to me, and he said. And that's the end of it. But actually, we know that the word is more true or more sure than even that experience because you, you can have all sorts of apparitions or, you know, the devil's out there too. So... Yay for Jesus appearing and angels telling you. But actually, this right here is more sure, more reliable, more steadfast. He, God, keeps his word. Let's say it again. God keeps his word. Now, if you can bridge that, if you can go there, if you can believe that, then you will win every day in every way. You'll never have troubles because God has covered everything you'll face that I face, he's covered in his word, he's got an answer in his word, he's already told the end of something in his word, and if we can believe that what he said is more right than what we're seeing, truth over facts, if we see the truth, it'll, it'll uproot facts, won't it? I mean, you heard all over, and, and, but the word says, by his stripes you were healed. So why, why in this always answered asker, I ask myself, why do people not want to ask for help. Why aren't we asking for help if we believe God's as good as his word, God keeps his word, and that he wants us to ask him for help? And I believe it's pride. I believe that we're in the age of the self-made man and woman and that people don't want God. They don't want anybody's help. They don't want to humble themselves and say, God, I need your help. But how many of y'all know we, we need his help way more than we're asking? We, we could have been dipped out, fished out of a lot of trouble if we'd asked him earlier. But, you know, it's common for people to say, I'm going to take this as far as I can, and if I can't get a remedy, uh, I can always call on God. Uh, there's something, and he does answer, but there's something about that that, that faith's not in, and it's hard. So people, because of pride, they ask God, they, they come to him on their terms instead of coming to God on his terms. What things soever you desire when you pray, so there's faith, believe you receive them, you shall have them. Why can't we or people do it God's way? Well, there's pride. And so they, they don't just say, I'm never asking God because he's a sorry or a, a rascal, and he won't ever answer anything. There's those people. But I wrote down that God, people say God knows where I am. And if he wants to bless me, heal me, help me, then uh, he can do it. He will do it. But that's kind of preparing for God to fail. That's kind of preparing for God to say no. In other words, if they don't get an improvement, then they weren't re rejected. 
If you just go straight up to God and you believe yes, no, and not now, you, that no part is a rejection. It's like, why did he reject me? Well, it's because I'm not good enough and because my sins are worse than others and a whole bunch of litany of religious uh, things. Uh, God knows where I am, and if he wants to help me, he's God, he will. Um, another one is along that line, God knows I'm suffering, and I shouldn't have to ask him to fix or help when he knows, he's God, he knows I'm suffering. I'm having a hard time, it's barely working or not working, and he knows it, he's God, and if he wants to help me, he should, and if he doesn't, well, up your nose with a rubber hose, God. I don't, you know, and, and you get offended there. Another one I've said, uh, I wrote down, I've asked God for help, and I didn't hear anything. So people don't hear from God very good sometimes. Sometimes there's so much noise in their asking, in their request, in their lust, in their preoccupying with their, their thing, they don't hear from God. And so they're, they're mad because they say, if anything, I asked God for help and it got worse. Now, you may have all been through this. I have. I've been through all this way back. When I had no root in myself, I went way back because I ask all the religious questions that we all do. Uh, and then I put down, there's lots, but I, I put down, God seems to bless people that I happen to personally know are hypocrites and don't even go to church all the time, not as much as me, and they, they have a six-pack in their refrigerator. I, you know, their son told me, yeah, we always got a bottle of wine in the, or whatever, whatever. And, you know, and so uh, they're hypocrites, Lord. And why, I'm better than they are. Why are you not answering my prayer? All of this is pride. Because the Word tells us how to get our prayers answered. And it's simple. I mean, it's not even like step, step 79 was the hardest for me. No, there's no step 79. It's... What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, hallelujah, we, we look at this, because it's not enough for me or anyone else to tell you God answers prayer. you got to have his word on it. I have to have his word on his word, don't we? Y'all here this morning? It says in verse 17, for our light affliction... So he's been talking about affliction, our light affliction, light affliction, light affliction, which is but for a moment, a moment just for a shorty, worketh for us, it does something, it produces something, it's, what does it produce? A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So it's okay to go through light affliction. It's not from God, but it's in the world. So it's okay. We, in the world you'll have trouble. Be of good cheer, I've overcome, or I've met the pressure and the affliction, and we overcame it, and we overcome it every time, the Lord Jesus said. And then he said in verse 18, while we look not. So here's the way that we work the more exceeding internal weight of glory. How do you do that? Is it just go through it? No, not just go through it, but look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So if you want everything that comes at you in life to produce profit, increase, and more, you got to not look at what's coming at you. you got to look at the promise that's behind it. you got to. 
Because all of a sudden you'll, you'll be mad at the people that are involved in it. The devil uses everybody against somebody. He's used me. He's used your, you. And, and for you to say, I never was used by the devil just means, <laughs> well, you know what it means. Hallelujah. <laughs> all right, we've all been used of the devil unwittingly or just in our pride or in our emotions or insecurities, whatever we do that we get in the flesh. The devil uses us. And so that's happened. So we look at things which are not seen. And he goes on there and says the things that are seen are fleeting. Amplified says fleeting and passing away. Nothing can stay. Amen. Nothing. Everything has a shelf life and nothing can stay. So we don't just endure it. We just don't look at it. You have a symptom in your body. I've had, I've had a gazillion symptoms. Probably have one or two this morning. Uh, I'm always uh, undressing and looking at my legs or my arms, and there's green spots everywhere. There's just like these, these huge green spots, and they're bruises. And I'll say, I wonder how that happened. I don't even know what I bump into or fall over. I don't remember. I just walk into tables or whatever, and... And it bruises, and I, but I never know it. And I don't pay any attention to that. Do you? We don't. It's, we look at the promises of God instead of what's going on. The Passion says we view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. That would be the word, isn't it? We see our difficulties as the substance... Wow, that produces for us, for me, an eternal, weighty glory. How big a glory? Far beyond all comparison. Isn't this amazing? I mean, now you can have a perspective on troubles and say, bring it. We're not looking for it, but we got this. We dominate. It doesn't matter what comes. I've already got it. And then it says, and we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. So he's telling us here that our particular and unique and personal kind of glory is crafted by the situations that we run into. Uh, whatever your job, your marital, your children, your your dreams, all of that has a pushback from the devil, from the world. All faith has a pushback. And so how you and I push back is crafts our story. And our story then produces, here it says, a glory. There's a glory that comes from our story. So we can't say, well, I was, uh, you know, my parents died when I was three and I had to raise my brothers and sisters. <laughs> Walk uphill both ways to school and we didn't have anything and all that. And those stories are everywhere. And in a sense, we all have that story. It's just in a modern term. But there's no, the, the Lord doesn't give us any pass for having a story because there's a glory from enduring and dominating our story. Jesus is the great equalizer, and whatever comes at us, he brings us up to the level of saying, you're fine. Shake it off. You're fine. And you can beat this, and once you beat it, you'll never come under it again. I can tell you financially, since I was farming for 10 years, very unsettling. You just never know what the weather, the crop, the price, just so many factors. 
very unsettled and unstable kind of income. Just, I, I lost $60,000 the first year I farmed, and I worked like a, I worked hard. I worked day and night, and I lost 60 grand. Well, that means you could have taken five grand and gone to the beach. You think you can get your room for five grand at the beach and just hang out, and at the end of the year, they presented you the bill and said, you owe 60 grand. I, still, you'd been at the beach all year instead of at the farm, just, you know. And so I lost that, and it's, it's unstable. And then went into the ministry. Green as grass, a little greener, actually, kind of a Christmas tree green, and uh, didn't know anything, didn't know anything. And uh, all my ministry friends had been in the ministry the same time that I was. There were no churches like us back in '80. And so if you, if you had a ministry friend that had experience, it was one or two years. So nobody knew anything. Nobody could help. And so I, financially, just unstable. But I can tell you, the Lord brought me through all of them. And it's not just like, whew, that was tough, but now I'm through it. I learned to trust in God because I had no choice. If, if, you, don't, if you don't go to the farm every day, you're going to lose 60 more grand, and they're going to cut you off and all sorts of things. And if you don't believe God for finances, you can't go to the church and say, hey, y'all were a little short last month, and we need Danny up here. We're taking a special offering for pastor's salary. That's never happened. It can't happen. It can't happen. Because if you're the man of faith, you've got you to make it work. And that's what you have to do for your family and your children. You're the person of faith, and you are Jehovah Jireh to your children until they get grown. They're looking at you. They're not looking at God and saying, I hope God supplies. They're just saying, I hope Dad gets an overtime shift or whatever. That's how it is. Where am I? Hallelujah. So our glory crafts our story. Our story crafts our glory. Hallelujah. And here I wrote this down. We said this last week. Miracles begin. When do miracles begin? When we know who we are to the miracle maker. They're not detached. They're not like, well, God can do what he wants. You never know what God's going to do. Uh, his, uh, what's his wonders? God works in some mysterious ways, seemingly mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Well, that's what we crutch on. That's what we stand up on and say, well, this is how I'm going to answer all this unanswered prayer. I'm just going to say God in his wisdom knew it wasn't a good time. So we went hungry and we didn't pay the rent and I had a baby that was sick and I couldn't get it medical care and all that. We say that God's in control and all that when we're going through hell. And it just doesn't make sense. It's not true. So we've got to figure it out. I'm an always answered asker. Not flippantly, not off the cuff, not just saying, well, God, how about this? I'm asking you. And then you go down the road. We're talking about deliberate, faith-filled asking and him bringing a deliberate, faith-filled answer. Uh, Looking, you're right there, turn it right there in chapter 5, verse 21. So we're saying miracles begin when you know who you are to the miracle maker. So God works in mysterious ways, people. They don't, they don't know the miracle maker. They, they know Lotto, they know uh, uh, those, those gambling, t- they know all that, but they don't know God. You've got to know him. 
You want a miracle? Now, sometimes he'll do it for you for somebody else, but somebody knew he would. He could and that he would, and it's all the difference in the world. It says here in verse 21, who, who, do I know the miracle worker? Well, one thing, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Be made. I know him because he made me righteous. You've got to stop and just say, good enough. We're all God's children. Now, I want to remind you all that's not true. The whole world. We're all God's children, and we're all made in his image. Whew, that has got lots of little iffies in it, and you can't make it fly. We're all God's children. I promise you not. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. The born again are God's children. And you can, you can cash in your adoption papers any time. You can say, I discovered I was all God's children, and I got born again. I got into the family. Romans chapter 8. Look at here. We're talking about your relationship to the miracle worker. We're talking about the always answered asker. How are you going to get that? Verse 29 says, uh, moreover, whom he did predestinate, and that's talking about born-again men. That's not talking about world, uh, unsaved. Whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Why? That we might be, read it with me, the firstborn among many brethren. Who am I to the Lord? <laughs> I'm, I'm just like Jesus, but he came first. In relationship to the Father, I'm just like Jesus, except he came first. He lived a sinless life, but... I got born again, and now I live a sinless life. Well, that's a mouthful right there. You're going to have a little pushback on broadcast if, uh, if you leave it there because people don't like that. We're just old sinners, saved by grace and all that stuff. Well, no, you can't have a miracle if you believe that. But I know who I am. He, the Lord Jesus, was the firstborn among many, including me. And I'm in there, many brethren. I'm in the brethren. You're in the brethren. And then it goes on, moreover, whom he predestinate, he did predestinate them, he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Sounds like we're pretty special. Sounds like we kind of got a front row seat on the 50-yard line or whatever that translates to. We're in the good. I don't feel like I'm in the good. Well, you know what we say. You can't take your temperature with scales. You can't find out how much you weigh with the thermometer. It, it is not there. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us. Let's read that first person. If God be for me, who can be against me? And then verse 32, he says, he proving if God be for you, who can be against you? He that spared not his own son. He went to the mat with the Lord Jesus. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He said, okay. He said, yes. He said, I'll do it. He said, I've been hoping you would ask me. I've been, I've been wishing you to put that in there. He gave them, he gave us right standing with himself. 
and there's no wall, there's no petition, there's no, there's no barrier between us and Him, we have access to the throne of God. Like, okay, if you fast and pray, nope. You just messed up royally and you feel like a worm, you're, you feel like trash, you feel like whatever people feel like. And he said, ah, come on in here. Come on in here. It's okay. You got access to me anytime under any conditions. Matter of fact, when you mess up, that's the best time to come. Uh, nobody can believe that. But if you, know, if you think of men, you know they can't. But with God, that's why he's God. In Luke chapter 5, now, if we put our faith in who we are in Him instead of how we feel or about how big we're requesting or asking God to help us, if we put our mind on His presence, we put our mind on His watch care, we put our mind on who am I to Him, I'm not third cousin to somebody that's the second cousin to God. I am a son. You are not our sons. And he's withholding no good thing from them that love him. Nothing. We could go to that script that says, if you being evil and your son asks you for something, will you give him a stone, whatever it is? Will you give him a rock? He said, and you being evil, how much more is the father going to give you what he has? Oh, yay. Luke chapter 5, look in verse 12. Hallelujah. Yay, yay. Y'all okay? And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who sees, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, what did he say? If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. I'm telling you, asking changed this man's life. We agree? Asking changed this man's life. And there was lots of lepers and lots of demon-possessed people and lots of people at Gate Beautiful that had uh, weak ankles that never got anything because they didn't ask. Everybody that asked Jesus for anything, I mean, according to the Word, they weren't asking for uh, crazy things. He answered them. He said yes to them. In um, Matthew chapter 8, go west just a little bit, Matthew chapter 8. We must expect the supernatural in our life. Change your mind. Look not at the things which are everywhere, whirling about us, making a big deal. Our culture, our society, our lives right now are swimming with natural things. And they're all fear-filled. If you watch the news for any period of time, you, if you stop and measure yourself, you can feel things coming against you. Your faith pushes it back, and of course you say, no, I've read the end of the book. But you can feel the power that it has, the influence it's trying to exert to chip away at you and, and get you to change your mind. It doesn't work. But it works for a lot of people. And so, so we have to have a testimony by Mr. Ward. We have to have each one of us testify that says, well, I spoke, I spoke to some trouble in a person and it left. Amen. 
I prayed the prayer of faith for somebody this week. I went through a long dirge of what we're talking about right here and set it up that this isn't yes, no, and not now. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. The prayer of faith always saves the sick. If any man, if there's any sick among you, let him call. So when people call someone that can pray the prayer of faith, there's just one outcome. There's just one end to it. And you are the man, you are the woman that can pray the prayer of faith. Amen. So you're the hottest commodity on the face of the earth. You're the most important person in the kingdom if you can pray the prayer of faith. There's nobody that says, well, I'm not Oral Roberts. I'm not, you know, whoever. You are the most important on the person on the planet in the kingdom when you can pray the prayer of faith. So if you can't or if you won't, let's just change it. Let's just change it. Let's just know the truth so that we can, if somebody calls and says, I know you're a Christian, I've seen you, I've been with you, and I've got this issue. And you go, well, let's see if God says yes, no, maybe, or not now. We can't go there. We have to say, you ask me, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And therefore, let's draw aside and let's pray that prayer. You've got to know how to pray it, but it's not hard. You just let the truth come out. You just... And it works. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Oh, I like this one. It says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, beseeching him, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Let's see, where am I going? Verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Verse 13, and Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so it be done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Wow. Let's stick with this stuff. Let's look at this stuff instead of listening to, you know, little... Uh, no root in themselves, house on the sand people that declare for God, this is how he is. Yes, no, not now. Let's just daub that in the dirt, so to speak, and just say, yes, the promises of God in him are yes and amen. And that's the end of it. Now, we got to put that little thing on it. That's how it'll be, and it won't be different. You go, well, that's, that's pretty bold. I'd like to leave a little, a little gate, you know, a little trap door out here so that if it doesn't happen, I can say, well, well, well. And you, you won't ever have anything. You won't ever be able to go to the mat and win every time until you say, that's the way it'll be, and it won't be different. But we can do that because if anything we can do well, it's belief. We are wired for it. The Word sends the power and we can be sure. I can believe. If I don't believe, it is my fault. Because God wired me at the new birth. I've got the God kind of faith in me. And then he said, if you'll put the word in, the power of God will come. 
and you'll have plenty. You'll store it up like a battery, and then as soon as you touch somebody and say something about the truth, zzz, the anointing of God will go in and they'll be healed. James chapter 4. Y'all aren't tired of wearing out the pages on your Bible. James chapter 4, we looked at this last week. It says in verse 1, James chapter 4, From whence come wars and fightings among you? I don't know, James, where? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members. Now, you, shouldn't, you and I should never be depressed, oppressed. Uh, we should not even be discouraged. Now, let's just, let's just go, let's just be a straight shooter, because we all love straight shooters. <laughs> I want you to look at me and say, I love him because he's a straight shooter, <laughs> even though I don't like the shooting. <laughs> But it's not allowed for us to be discouraged. Because everything's turning out amazing. Everything. How often? Every time. How much? All of it. And when you get that expectancy, when you build a room for that in your heart, in your faith, you, you have a place in you that says, the prayer of faith that I pray will save the sick. I cast out demons. Demons are afraid of me. When you get that, and, and you can't just contrive it, you can't just decide one morning after a good breakfast, I believe that's what I want. It puts you on course for it, but you've got to put the word in. You've got to believe who you are to the miracle maker, and you've got to stand in that place and not be moved, especially when you mess up. And we all mess up. That's when the devil wants to come and say, you sorry little rascal, you can't do anything. There's no prayer of faith coming out of you for 90 days. God will remember it for 90 days, and so here's the, it'll be February 17th before the 91st day comes, and don't you touch God until then. And you go, nobody thinks that way. Yes, they do. They all think that way. Very reticently, but they all think that way. Well, First Peter, uh, excuse me, James 4.2 says, ye lust. Well, first one, it says, even your lust that war in your members. So when we mess up, it's lust. Uh, I wrote, what's that mean? It means forbidden things. It's the word hedoni, hedonist. Things, uh, forbidden things. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire. The word desire there in the Greek means to burn with a zeal to pursue. So this isn't just fleeting things. It says, I'd like to have two chocolate sundaes. I often think that way, but, but I settle down and either have one or have none. You know, I, I don't get two. I may get one today and one tomorrow, but it's, it's not burning with a, with, a, with a, well, never mind. And ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. Why? That you may consume it upon your lust, the forbidden things. So why is this? Because we don't have a confidence that I'm the always answered asker. So like that little video that we watched, B, we don't think God can get us what we need or what we want, that it's forbidden. And God's just the straight and narrow. He's only just, you know, monk prayers and, and priest prayers and all those things. You know, if it's not on their list, you better not be praying it and want it, but we want it. And so we don't bother asking God for a new car or a new house or a paid-for house. 
It's like, ah, there's so many people around the world that don't even have a house or a car. I don't dare ask God that. It's wrong. Because you got to know who you are. And it's not based on God loves you more than other people. It's based on you know he loves you more than other people. I mean, the lost. Well, I I said the wrong. Not loves you more, but that you're letting him love you and be a blessing to you. So the NLT, let me see if I read that, if I got that. No. Did you get it, Barry? The New Living. We'll just read it. I didn't put it in my notes. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Now, that would be an interesting answer. Because we all have quarrels and fights within us. Is that right? I was like, what's the answer to that? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. What is the right answer there? You, you, uh, you want what you don't have, so you ask in faith. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. But that's, that's off the board there. It's, it's like, well, I can't get what I want, so I'm going to scheme and kill to get it. And there's the trouble. That's all of our troubles. Instead of saying, you know, God's got this, and God doesn't mind me having it. Matter of fact, he wants me to have it. You've got to know the miracle maker. You've got to know what he thinks about you. You are jealous of what others have. Well, there's, there's not plenty where that came from. There's just so much. In the world, their whole world is based on shortage, lack, and need. There's not enough to go around. That's why this climate thing is going on. This is why this population scare is going on. Don't, don't have very many children because God didn't make the earth able to take care of everybody. That's what it's based on. Uh, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want. Even though you fight and war and take it away from them, you still don't have you, what you want. Because you didn't ask God for it. That's a good scripture. I like that one. So I want you to turn based on that scripture to Matthew chapter 6. Can y'all stay with me just a few minutes more? And we're going to unravel your life. We're going to, it's like we're going to answer questions that need an answer, that demand an answer. Because we're, we're born again and we're having a measure of success And we get some things done, we get some things in our life from faith, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going by us. Malachi talks about how he will open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that you're not easily able to receive it. And that's how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that you got so many things on your mind because you're praying for the the people in Peru and you're believing God for this and you're, you're not... That, that the blessings of God, you can't even, in your emotion realm, you can't even get to all the things that God says, we can do this. So you have to prioritize. It says, well, and that's what I've done. I've said, I've said, this is my faith. I don't mind sharing it. And you can judge it. That I'm going to administrate for the kingdom. And I'm going to administrate a million dollars. And I can tell you, I have no, no, no idea where that could come from. But it doesn't show up until you first say, I'm going to do that. I am what I'm calling, this is my faith, a glory distributor. There's plenty of glory. It needs distributing. 
And I've signed up. Say, Lord, I want to be a paymaster. I want you to use me. And it's not like, well, you're rich. Of course you're going to choose that. Nope, I'm not the rich young ruler. Just, just like everybody else. Just make a wage and pay the electric bill every month, just like everybody. But I'm asking him, would you let me do that? Because I believe in my heart he's asked me if I would ask him. That's not for everybody. It might not be for anybody else. But for me, I've come to that, that I'm supposed to distribute stuff. Because I don't need it for myself. I'm done, pretty much. So, I don't have those lusts and those things like maybe young people do or whatever. And I, I share that very honestly to say... We'll just see. We'll see. I want to. If he wants me to, I'm here. If he said, no, you're not the boy for that, well, then we'll do something else. Amen. So Matthew 6:31 says, Take no thought, no anxious thought, saying, What shall we eat, nor what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Now look, right here, verse 32. This is powerful. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. After all these things... The Gentiles seek, and it's not just eating and drinking and wearing. It's talking about life, driving a car, living in the house, sending your kids to school, whatever you, it's life. He said, all the Gentiles all seek for this. And then he, the Lord Jesus, for your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of what things? All the things that the Gentiles seek. There's not now, we're not talking about casino money and, and, uh, and uh, wine cellar money and all that stuff that the Lord says, ah, they want it so you can, you can have it. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the things that bring pleasure, that, that are to satisfy us. I mean, if you're going to be a monk, be a real monk. Get out, of, get out of America and climb some mountain, get you a cave and get a hole in there and bring you two cans of Vienna sausages. Be a true sufferer. Otherwise, be honest and say, I want a car to go from here to there. I want a house to come home to that's got a real bed and a real couch. Be honest. Oh, I wouldn't want that nasty stuff. But you got two TVs in your house, so it's not even true. For your heavenly Father knoweth, knoweth that ye have need of all these things. And he supplies all of our need. Well, what's the remedy, Lord? The, you, Father, you know that I have need of everything the Gentiles have need of. What's the remedy? But seek ye first the kingdom, the system of God and his righteousness. Now look, look, look. Faith statement coming. And all these things, which things? The things the Gentiles seek and the things that you need. All these things shall be added. The word is increased and the word means repeated. Shall be added unto you. We could rest our case right there. I'm an always answered asker because he wants me to have it. He wants me to have it. Matter of fact, if, it, if, if there's a postal system, he's already mailed it. Checks in the mail. Now you've got to go to the mailbox. 
but it's been done. He's wrote the check, so to speak. You got to go cash the check, so to speak. The Amplified says, for the Gentiles, quote, quote, heathen, wish for and crave and diligently seek all these things. That must be naughty stuff. And your heavenly Father knows well that you need them all. Do y'all believe the Lord Jesus? What if this was true? What if the Lord told the truth here and he wants, Father wants to give us everything the Gentiles seek? The New Living says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. I'm going to read that again. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Oh, y'all, this is so powerful. Verse 33, the Amplified says, But seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, and then all these things taken together will be given to you besides. So, you know, if you don't dial, you got 10 digits on the telephone number. You don't have the discretion of dialing them backwards or starting in the middle. You have to dial them just like they're laid out or you're talking to Tokyo. <laughs> we can do it. We can seek first the kingdom, get that right. Now, uh, supplies all your needs. What does God have that he wants us to have? The truth is God has it to give. Listen, God has it to give because he wants to give it to us. What does God need that's not already in heaven? Don't you think he's got all his needs met in heaven? Heaven's heaven. It's streets of gold and it's fruit every, everywhere all the time. So why does he have stuff on the earth? Psalm 50 says, for every beast of the forest is mine, mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. So it's all his. Why does he have this stuff on the earth? Because he wants to say it, give it to us. Well, now that puts it in a different perspective that God's got extra stuff and there's no more being made and he's just going to give it to whoever asks him the hardest or who needs it, who's suffering the most. He's not giving it to the suffering. Not first. He's giving it to the ones that are walking faith, that know who he is. If you're suffering or not, it won't matter. He's like, well, you need to put the suffering in front. No, he puts the, when you got faith, when you believe, he puts you in first. Otherwise, he'd be over in Southeast Asia and South America, and he wouldn't even be here. So uh, Luke 12, let me read this to you. It says, fear not, little flock. Y'all know the end of that? For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Good pleasure. I could have just said, ah, he, you can pry it out of him. If you promise to sacrifice and not do this again and promise to go to church every Sunday, you can pry it out of him. He said, no, it's his good pleasure to give you. The keys of the kingdom that gives you the kingdom. So truth, truth number one, God has it to give because he wants to give it to me. And you would say that of you. God has it to give. This is powerful because he wants to give it to me. I'll say it again. God has it to give because he wants to give it to me. 
He said, I got the cattle on a thousand hills, and I got the silver, I got the gold, I got... He says, it's all mine, and I want to give it to you. I've got it to give it to you. Number two truth, here's a big one. God wants me to ask so he can always give it to me. You go, well, God, why are you wanting to? That's just the program. That's just how he set it up. You can say you don't like it, you don't agree, it's not right, but that's how it is. When in America, we drive on the right side of the road. You may not like it or agree, but if you drive on the other side, it's not going to end well for, for you. you. That's just how it is. Why? Great Britain, you watch the movies, they're all over there going the, the wrong way on the, with the wrong steering wheel. But here, we, we say, that's the way it is. We drive on the right. And in the kingdom, he wants us to ask him for what he has that he wants to give us. Like, well, that's hard. If you're full of pride, it might be. If you, if you are a self-made man, it might be. If you want God to, you want to play games with God and you want him to grovel and snivel to you and say, well, I, 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 guess, I guess you have a need and I'll just bring it to you without any regard. No, he said, you got to know who I am and you got to ask me. And when you do, all the cattle, all the silver, all the gold, I'll give it to you. So I am, you are, we are always answered askers. Whether you know it or not, believe it or not, practice it or not, that is the way it is. All these things that the Gentiles seek, he wants you to have them. That's some cool stuff, y'all. <laughs> You know, and, but you go back to Mark 11, it says, what things soever you desire. Well, I'm not desiring a jet or a, I'm not desiring a lot of stuff. So are you there? That's not even in my wheelhouse right now because that's just pleasure. I, that's not where I am. I'm seeking first the kingdom. So I don't have inordinate desires and, and weird lusts and things for things and whatever positions of power. I don't have that. You don't have that. So it's okay for him to say, all the things that you desire, bingo. I've already got that. Uh, Luke's, I'll just say this one, last scripture. Luke 6.38. You know Luke 6.38. It says, uh, give and it shall be given to you. You know that verse. But the TEV says, give to others. And God will give to you. Indeed, you will receive a full measure, a generous helping, poured into your hands, all that you can hold. The measure you use for others is the one that God will use for you. So I'm generous. I believe this. Now, if you don't believe it, you, you, you better hold on. But if you believe that God's using the same measure that, I, that you use for you, use for others for you, let's be generous. I need Father to be generous. My vision, my dream of being a glory distributor, I need people to be generous to me. I got to giddy up. It's not the only dream I have. Now, I want you to know that's just, that's just a sideline. That's just while we're doing other things. He can send it to me, and I'll send it wherever he says. And take no thought. Wow, this could be for my, me. I don't care. And it's from years of just 
I've received the offering now for 41 years. So some of it went in. <laughs> some of it I, I heard myself say, I believe. Do you believe? Of course you do. Of course you do. We all believe. Of course we do. We just weren't bold enough with it. And so now we're bold. Receiving is just asking with expectation. I asked. That's the way it is. I prayed for this man. And that's the way it is. It's just not different than that. Now, my head goes a thousand ways, like what if, what if, but we just pay no attention to that. And so we're not. Hallelujah. Isn't Jesus wonderful? I'm so glad that I got born again. That's the grace of God right there. I'm so glad I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, that's, I don't say that's a greater grace, but where I was when he found me and said, let's do the Holy Ghost, I was surrounded by non-Holy Ghosters. <laughs> the system was rigged against being filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues. But here we are. If, I, if, he, if it hadn't been for this grace, I'd be a farmer in West Texas, just trudging through life and just trying to make money and uh, doing the best I could. And here we are. We're in the most glorious place, getting to do the most glorious of things. We all have jobs or careers and whatever, but they're fairly irrelevant. They're just kind of like the potato, the baked potato. It's irrelevant. It's what you get to put on it that's relevant. It's the salad. It's like, ah, this is rabbit food, but what I'm fixing to put on it is relevant. And so your job, my career, everything like that is fairly irrelevant. It's what you do at it and in it and through it that gets counted. No, no, there are no super-duper blessed and anointed accountants in heaven. They're super-duper and blessed Christians, faithful men. So forget that. Don't be thinking, I'm doing this for God. Well, do it for God because you can do it for God. Amen. I just am so impressed with the Lord Jesus. He's just shining brighter and brighter. He's just helping us. He's just, you look around, you go, that's not much help. Oh, it's the best of help. We got everything we need. And we're all in agreement, so it's like there's no trouble here. Amen. Yay. Well, I bless you. I speak increase into your life. I speak that men are looking for you, pursuing you, chasing you down to give unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. They, they are looking for you to bless you because you are also a glory distributor. You also are a paymaster. Everybody on broadcast, you're a paymaster. In some dimension, some degree, you'll carry that all. You, you, and we're all healers. Not that anybody can get healed because of us, but everything flows through us. And so it happens. It happens every time. It happens all the time. And so we're at the right place with the right words every time. I speak increase into your jobs, but not just that. Your seed must be answered. Your giving must be answered. And if your job can't answer it, it must be answered another way. 
I speak to the chronic in people's bodies in broadcast and in this room. And I say, you've had enough. Now do something about it. Challenge it. Stand up to it. Resist it. And it will flee, the word says. You've been healed by the stripes of Jesus. Walk by faith. Put on the Lord Jesus and live above that. Be a demonstration. Be a miracle worker of the miracle worker. Cast off discouragement. Certainly depression and oppression have no place. Discouragement is believing the lie. It's not who we are and it's not what we hear. We believe the truth. And that truth sets us free from discouragement, from pity parties, from being offended, for being lowly. It's not who we are and we're not giving it place in our life. In Jesus' name, be resilient. Just be durable. Be unbending. Be fierce. Have an attitude that says, I'm here and everything changes. And be resilient. Though a thousand things are cast out into the sea, yet you are still there, just like you were, unchanged. In Jesus' name, take ground in 2021. Make progress in this year. Grow so you can make others grow. Be a demonstration. Be light and be salt. And great is your reward. And you'll take no thought saying, what shall we wear? What shall we drink? What shall we eat? You'll take no thought because you're surrounded in and working through the glory. And all the things that you know everyone else and what you and I used to look for, it'll just be there. Men will find it and bring it to you. They've got your stuff. The wealth of the wicked is stored up, gathered up, heaped up right now, heaping up. They are heaping it up for themselves, but they'll never taste it. They're heaping it up for you. And we are funded. If God could send his son down to Egypt to get funded, if he could send the wise men from the, from the east to fund him, hallelujah, we're funded. So we take no thought because there's plenty more where all of the good things came from. There's plenty more. There is no end to his goodness and his supply. There is no end. He isn't, got, he isn't going to run out. It is forever. As much as you need, he's got more. And he wants to give it to us. We give you praise, Lord, for being so good to us and sharing by Holy Ghost your word to us in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo-hoo, amen. Amen. Well, I hate to let you all out 12 minutes early, but here we are. We're at the end of it. Uh, the, I think the cashes have got somewhere to go. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I didn't hit that Sunday. Well, anyway. Anybody got a testimony? We're always looking. Write them down or bring them in your heart and, and share. It means a lot to us to hear what God's doing through you. Amen.